This is the Michelangelo Signorelli Show. Welcome back. I'm Michelangelo Cigarelli on Sirius XMLQ 109. Brian Sims has been on this program before. He is a Pennsylvania legislator, uh, was elected as the first openly gay member of the legislature. I believe we spoke with him last at the Democratic Convention in Charlotte. And he is introducing a bill that would make marriage legal for gays and lesbians and change the language in the current statute in Pennsylvania that bans gay marriage. He was also very excited about, obviously, as all of us were, the Defense of Marriage Act being struck down by the Supreme Court and Proposition 8 being dismissed. And he wanted to talk about that on the floor of the Pennsylvania House during a period of time when legislators are able to make comments and talk about whatever they want to talk about. But he was silenced, shut down by another member of the legislature, Republican Darrell Metcalf, who said that he believed Sims' comments would be a violation of God's law. Yes. Brian Sims joins me right now to talk all about it. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back on, Michelangelo. So it, it, it really is extraordinary to see this. Tell us, take us through exactly uh, what happened. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I, like everyone else, I waited on bated breath for the, for the Supreme Court announcements about, about 10 a.m. in the morning. And um, throughout the day when we were in session, had had a chance to, to speak to other members, to speak to my own leadership, and had decided that I'd wanted to make comments on the House floor, as you just said, during a time period when we have an opportunity to speak on issues that may not have been germane to any bills discussed that day, but were important to us as legislators. And um, although I didn't have to, I went and, and met with the Speaker of the House, the Republican Speaker, beforehand, uh, explained to him that I wanted to speak about, um, as a civil rights attorney, that I wanted to speak about the magnitude of these two rulings. Uh, I made it clear to him that I wasn't going to be chastising uh, anyone, the Republican Party, the opponents of equality in Pennsylvania. I, I wasn't even really going to talk about how far we had to go in Pennsylvania. And, you know, he, he to his credit, let me know that, that there could be problems. And, and what he meant is that this time— How, how did he let you know? Well, he said, he said, you know, that there, somebody might object to your unanimous consent. And that's the important part here. I was speaking under a, a rule that, called unanimous consent that allows me to, to speak on issues important to me. But uh, as the title implies, it technically requires the unanimous consent of my peers. Now, uh, unanimous consent is sort of given very freely. And I have not, uh, not certainly in my short time here, nor as I've watched the legislature, ever heard of it being used in this way. So what I did is I took the mic and I said, uh, Mr. Speaker, I would like to discuss the Supreme Court rulings, and I was immediately shut down by an objection. Now, right as soon as I was done, and I hadn't really warned my colleagues that I was doing this, but as soon as I was done, uh, a number of my colleagues stood up to, to try to continue the discussion, uh, each successfully taking the mic and then also being, being ruled out of order, essentially, um, because unanimous consent hadn't been granted. And 
And my leadership, the Democratic leadership, asked of the Speaker to identify uh, who, who in, the, in the House had, had objected to the unanimous consent. And ultimately, the Speaker ruled that he didn't have to give that name up, although um, when that question was being asked, uh, Representative Metcalf, Chairman Metcalf, yelled uh, several times from the House floor to, to put him down as the objector. So did he rise up and speak then? You know, he didn't, and he's not required to. And we, you know, the, the language that you, that you cited when you brought me on about, about God's law, that actually didn't come out until, until later that night. You know? When he gave an interview. When he gave an interview. I didn't, have, I didn't have any idea that that was the reason for his objection, other than to know otherwise that he is, without a doubt, the most conservative member of our state legislature. He is the architect of what I consider to be all of the, the most hateful bills that have come out of Pennsylvania, the, the uh, ultrasound wand for abortions bill, the voter ID bill, the the Arizona style anti-immigration bill, certainly the 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 LGBT or the marriage equality bill, um, have have all been his, and so it was no surprise to me. What was a surprise was that quote, and so. Uh, yesterday I had an opportunity under a different rule, a uh, rule of personal privilege, to address the speaker when I felt that my reputation had been impugned. And sort of similarly, I, I didn't really ask for support from my colleagues, although I knew it was there. Um, I just approached a microphone and, uh, and waited to be called on. And, and what ended up happening is it took a little while to call on me. And my colleagues sort of saw me standing there at the mic. And, and again, without really knowing exactly what I was there to do, they, they sort of rose at once. And, and filter down the, the, the alleyway to stand with me. And if there's video of it, you can see that, that I'm standing there literally surrounded by my colleagues. And uh, I, I, under that rule of personal privilege, I asked that the speaker uh, admonish uh, uh, Representative Metcalf. And, and he did explain to me that there's a, a particular procedure for that, and I can refer the, his comments to the Ethics Committee, and we're exploring all of that. But yeah, in you, truth— You called for a censure. I did. Yeah, I asked for him to be reprimanded, and and to be to be clear, you know, I don't I, I don't know the exact I didn't know at the time the exact procedures for a reprimand, and 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 neither did the speaker. It took a couple of minutes for us to really figure out exactly what it what it is that I was asking for, um, and and that's those are my options. I I have the option of a resolution, a reprimand resolution, uh, or to refer this to the ethics committee, and I'll, I'll I'm exploring both of them. You know, it really is, I think, shocking to a lot of people, and it's very ugly. And I, I think that it does require some sort of, you know, we can't just kind of let these things pass, even though, uh, you know, you, you kind of don't want to, you know, make it appear that um, you're, you know, making this huge deal of it. It really is a big deal. It, it uh, you know, anybody that heard that heard his comments, uh, to actually hear the recording of the comments, quite frankly, is chilling. You know, it's just not something that you expect from from an elected official. And and I want to be really clear here that that this is not a Republican and Democrat thing. Uh, you know, we have an entirely Republican-run House and Senate and Governor's office. But I spent. Um, all night after the original uh, after the original sort of fiasco, hearing from my Republican colleagues apologizing to me for the lack of decorum. You know whether they are, are supportive of the rulings, whether they support me as an out gay man, um, really was beside the point. I think everyone recognized that that the the breakdown in decorum uh, was was extreme and severe. And uh, I can say that you know I, I, first of all I'm perfectly fine. You know I have a thick enough skin that that being hated by somebody who hates everyone but those people that are just like him, it, that's perfectly fine with me. 
But I also have a pretty, um, I would say, a pretty active history of standing up to bullies. And that's all that this is. This is somebody who is trying to bully someone who's not just like him. And, and I think maybe for the first time in his life, he not only saw his uh, opponents rise to challenge him, but he saw the people that he had seen as, uh, previously as his supporters. You know, there were Republicans um, throughout the day uh, letting him know that his behavior was out of line. You're really uh, pioneering and and breaking ground in Pennsylvania, a a state that um, has been, uh, you know, often uh, on the forefront of progressive politics and then sometimes very much uh, and and on LGBT issues. That's been the case uh, very much behind. And you're introducing a marriage equality bill. Talk a little bit about Pennsylvania um, what the challenges are, and and this bill that you're introducing. Well, well you're, you're right that there are a number of challenges. I mean, I, to, to lay the, the groundwork is pretty simple. Pennsylvania doesn't have any gay rights, not any. We don't have a single LGBT civil right in the state of Pennsylvania, except for second parent adoption, which we have through case law. So what we've been working on for a number of years, and I worked on this when I was with Equality Pennsylvania before joining the legislature, uh, non-discrimination, hate crimes, and anti-bullying bills. You know, those are the crux of an LGBT sort of civil rights platform outside of the marriage discussion. And we've been working on those for years, but this year, uh, unlike years past, we have more support for this legislation than we've ever had before. Um, We have bipartisan support for all of our, our legislation up to this point that's LGBT inclusive. And so... You know, I have I, I am more so than than I can think of any time in, in Pennsylvania's history. We really have an opportunity to pass pro LGBT legislation, as you just said. I've also now uh, I've announced that I'm introducing a marriage equality bill. In, in you know maybe 10 years ago, these things were forward thinking and progressive, but as we're seeing every single day, sometimes we're just playing catch up. And right now, Pennsylvania has a lot of catching up to do to its neighbors and, frankly, to the federal government. I think it it really uh, might be baffling to a lot of people around the country. Um, They might have visited Philadelphia. They know it's a very progressive city. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, as well. Uh, They may not have a sense of what it's like in, in a lot of Pennsylvania at this point. Talk a little bit about that. Well, no question. Pennsylvania has a, a huge rural part of the state. Um, you know, we're, we're the, depending on who you ask, we're the third or fourth oldest population. Um, we're the least traveled population in the country. And so, you know, yeah, we have a lot of legislators who every day about 2 o'clock as church is getting out, they get swamped with these emails um, and they get swamped with, with form letters. And, and what it's done is it's created in them the false impression that Pennsylvanians do not support equality and Pennsylvanians do not support marriage equality specifically, which we know isn't true. Um, all the polling data that we've done in the last six and eight years in Pennsylvania shows that Pennsylvanians overwhelmingly support non-discrimination. They support hate crimes. They support anti-bullying. And now a majority of Pennsylvanians support marriage equality. So, you know, there are, there are times when, when this state is much more like a, a southern state. There are times when this state is much more like a midwestern state. But there's no question about it. We're in the northeast. And, um, you know, you said it best. Philadelphia, Philadelphia right now has perhaps the strongest pro-LGBT laws of any city in the country. Absolutely, and, and, yeah. You know, Philadelphia has been protecting its LGBT citizens for now going on 31 years. But this is a state I tell people that I don't believe is conservative. I think it's just contemplative. It is slow, and it wants to see what states around it do, does. 
do. Uh, it wants to see if if laws are challenged. What you know, what do those look like? And so, you know, I'm I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful that simply just by joining this legislature and and allowing my colleagues to work alongside an out proud gay man, um, that they are are recognizing that their their constituents deserve respect. Whether you believe that LGBT people should be married or not, even the Pope says that we don't we we shouldn't be discriminated against. Uh, we've seen, of course, uh, the polling across the country. Uh, shift and majority of Americans support marriage equality. And then you're pointing to these recent polls where a majority now in Pennsylvania support marriage equality. A lot of political analysts took note of that, uh, seeing that kind of shift in Pennsylvania as um, something pretty significant. Um, it, there's no question that it's significant, and and I I am happy to say that it's you know it, it didn't happen by accident. This has been a lot of work has gone into changing perceptions in in Pennsylvania, and you know a lot of it has come out of election cycles. In the last election cycle, we elected three row officers in this state that are all supportive of marriage equality. We have um, you know in the Senate, my the, the the bill that I've introduced in the House mirrors a bill that was introduced in the Senate uh, by a gentleman named Dalen Leach who's running for Congress, whose voice I desperately want in Congress. And I'll tell you, you know, a lot of the problems that we're seeing right now in Pennsylvania, and you talked about how there are times when we've been forward thinking and times when we're not. Well, right now, a huge part of the reason that we're not is we have a really awful Republican governor. Um, we have a Republican governor who, who has cut funding for education by a by billion dollars. So, you know, people ask me all the time, what, what can we do to make change in Pennsylvania? And, and one of the first things I say is we need to elect people like Allison Schwartz, who's, who's going to run for governor, who's running for governor here in Pennsylvania. We need to get people like Dalen Leach into Congress. We needed to get more out people like me into the state house and hopefully into the state Senate. And, and that's going to make the change that, that we're really looking for. What has it been like for you, um, certainly, um, coming in as an openly gay legislator and, and this incident uh, obviously, um, you know, shows that there are those who are uh, anti-gay and who will obviously literally try to silence you. But you also talked about all the support that you got in this incident, too. What has it been like in general uh, for you um, taking up this position as an openly gay legislator? It's been overwhelmingly positive. I, I just had a conversation this morning with somebody in the, uh, a staff member here in the Capitol, and, and she asked me the same thing. You know, what's it like? There, there, weren't anybody, there wasn't anybody that was out before. What's it been like for you? And I, I am more than happy to report that it has been not just overwhelmingly positive. It's not been negative at all. Yeah, this, 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 these issues that I have with Chairman Metcalf, this is what people like him do. And if, if that was going to ruin my experience here, then you know, that's on me. That's not on him. What I'm finding is, and, and you know this, everybody we work with have, has LGBT family members and friends and other coworkers, and at least here in the Capitol, they weren't really talking about them the way that they were talking about their other family members and friends, and, and I, I, I think have, have presented that opportunity. You know, I now walk down the hallway, and someone can turn to their coworker and say, hey, there goes that gay guy. Well, you know what? I have a gay cousin, and, and it starts a conversation, and I hear it constantly. Um, I, you know, when I first started here, I thought people were sort of pandering to me by how much they wanted to talk to me about their LGBT experiences and friends and family members. And I realized now it was really just an effort to make sure that I, I felt comfortable when I got here. And I have, I have felt comfortable from the moment I got here. Uh, really um, great to hear that you're getting that support. Not surprising to hear, obviously, that there are those who uh, would try to, you know, attack you for being gay. But I think the important thing is seeing the progress. And, uh, you know, certainly 
Um, you have to do whatever you have to do to pass um, LGBT rights and introducing a marriage bill, whether it happens this year or next year or, or the year after, it's going to happen at some point. It, and it, it is inevitable. But so long as only one party has the market cornered on equality, we're going to have a really hard time getting it if we're not that one party. And right now, um, you know, whether I like it or not, Republicans control this state. And I think that we're doing a very good job of showing them every single day why it's also in their best interest to be supportive of equality. And we've got 10 co-sponsors who are Republican right now and a, and a prime sponsor on our non-discrimination, on our non-discrimination bill. That's a, that is a huge success in Pennsylvania. Absolutely true. Well, I, I want to thank you for joining us uh, again. It was great to have you back on the show. Uh, we certainly love to touch base with you again uh, moving forward. Uh, you know what? Have me on. Have me on in six months, and I'll, I, we can talk about what happened with non-discrimination. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Listen, thanks a lot uh, for coming on again. Absolutely, anytime. Uh, Brian Sims is Pennsylvania State Representative, 182nd Legislative District, uh, and the first openly gay legislator in Pennsylvania. The Michelangelo Seniorelli Show on Sirius XM.